all right. So, all right. Let me let me center myself. Let me meditate real quick. Uh, uh, hello, listeners. With me today, I am joined from across the pond, Alexander Norton, the ed- an editor at the Morning Star, the only English language daily socialist paper in the world. Alex, how you doing? How's the missus? What's going on? <laughs> the missus as well. My days. I never thought I'd speak to you so soon after uh, after our jaunt in the Middle East, Mr. Belden. Yes, uh, so, yes. Yeah, for, your, for your listeners, uh, you probably don't know. Um, I am. Yes, I am a journalist and uh, uh, um, uh, the features editor at the Morning Star in the UK. But I know this. I know this rapscallion. I know this fellow from uh, from a very different place. Uh, we both took up arms to fight against uh, fascism in the Middle East. I mean, That's... not the whole of the Middle East, specifically Syria, you know. But yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What uh, a legend he is. Uh, it's an honor to be on your show. Absolutely. Let's it's good to have you here. Are you still being hounded by the uh, the Bobbies over there for your uh, for your involvement? <laughs> Uh, I, I am actually, yeah. I think that's. Um, I think it's a bit of a contrast because in America, of course, uh, you know, arming yourself and going off to fight Muslims is is uh, <laughs> is applauded roundly by the entire political spectrum. But um, yeah, no, over here we are facing quite serious political repression. There's one guy in jail because um, he got photographed. He recorded himself with a group that I know that me neither, neither you or I, Brace, ever met. Some Kurdish no. group with a free free letter acronym that we never met, of course. Absolutely, now, he's not. in prison for that. Um, if the status of the YPG changes in the le- in the eyes of the the law here and something else, then a few more people go in prison as well. It's definitely shown that it is possible to go down for what we did, um, even though we we're, we're, we're largely considered uh, to be good guys by the uh, by the media by the public. Well, but I know yeah, the it's, truth. It's serious. I, I got raided. I got raided. I got the six six a.m. front door came through. And a bunch of shit went out the house, bunch of computers and phones and stuff like that. So who knows what's going on? Who knows what will go down in the future? But um, yeah, fingers crossed, eh? Well, speaking of people who deserve to have their computers and phones taken from them. I was just thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> but for very different reasons. Yeah. Uh, there is an election coming up. And, and it is. looks like, um, for those who can't tell by his accent, uh, Alex is in the UK. Uh, it, oh, blimey, geezer. It looks like it looks like the Brexit election is about to happen, and and uh, yeah. things are looking up, unfortunately, for Bojo. So the the yes. Conservative Party here, what has been like? What's what's their messaging going forward? Like, how come they're 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 getting this like lead in the polls? Wow. So I mean, you summed it up so well there. This is the Brexit election, and this is the fucking election that Boris Johnson wanted to fight. And he's one of the best people to fight it. He's one of the worst people in the Conservative Party to do anything. This man is a rolling disaster. He cannot even keep his dirty laundry out of the newspapers. He's got multiple illegitimate children. Um, He was accused of domestic violence towards his current partner. Like, neighbours called the police because he could be heard smashing around in his house. She said nothing, you know, which is unsurprising considering that he was on, on his way to becoming the Prime Minister at this point. Um, you know, he's a constant scandal. He cannot, he cannot stop offending people. Like it's naturally what he is. He's a fat Tory troll (laughs) and he's a terrible, terrible guy to lead the party. But on this one basis, he, he, uh, he tagged his fucking colors, the Brexit mast a while ago. He used to be pro uh, remain in the EU apparently. So this is fucking hilarious, but he's made that his thing because it aligns him with a certain part of the party who he appeals to as an Etonian, spoiled cunt rich bastard and so that's his part of the party and so he became very pro-brexit 
And then he becomes the, the best guy, really, to lead the Tories to be a pro-Brexit party. And he has been ruthless. He got rid of 21, I believe. He got rid of 20, happily fucked off 21 MPs who didn't want to be didn't want to be part of his his government, of his project, who were, were differing, which is the kind of metal that would have been really good to see from the Labour Party. And that's what he's made it. He's made himself to be about Brexit and he's made this election to be about Brexit. And the only thing really, and, and that's the only way that he's going to win this, because you've got working class people up north who voted Brexit, voted for Brexit as a as a a statement of anger and hatred at the way things have been going for the last 30 years um, with neoliberalism and everything else, a statement of anger about that. And yes, there's elements of containing, of, of gaining sovereignty over immigration, but sovereignty is the key word here. And they're saying things like, I would vote Labour. I agree with the social policies of Jeremy Corbyn, but I have to vote for the party, which is in favour of Brexit. And I think in some cases that means Brexit Party, which is considered a sort of one-off protest vote or going to put pressure on whoever wins to be more pro-Brexit. But in some cases that, that might mean Tory, obviously not from ex-Labour voters. I think there's very few ex-Labour voters who go to Conservatives. But we're definitely feeling a pinch from this Brexit Party. And um, I can explain what that is if, if you want. But this is, this is Boris Johnson's election fought over one issue or one issue alone. When he is doing interviews and they're like, what are your policies? And he's like, get Brexit done. And they're like, what are your other policies? And he's like, well, if we get Brexit done, then we can have some other policies. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. What, what, what gift would you leave under Jeremy Corbyn's Christmas tree? And Jeremy Corbyn said something wonderful as usual. And, um, and Boris Johnson was like, I'd leave him a copy of my manifesto about how we're going to get Brexit done. Yeah. Like, it's so pathetic. I mean, it's he... kind of amusing. And I think that's what his supporters like. It's just this kind of horrible 2D guy. I mean, that's a, you see that kind of mirrored here with, with Trump is that like, I mean, oh, God, yeah. they know he's like a vile fucking freak creature, but they kind of like him because he's entertaining, right? I, I think there's I think there's a big difference. I would say there's a big difference between Trump that he could play more of an outsider card coming into politics, because even though he's made some sort of noises about doing politics before Trump, Boris Johnson has been a career politician. Yeah. Um, he's done other shit, but that's the kind of shit that politicians do, like writing for these right-wing rags and being a, a, I think he was a money man at some point, but he's always, always been towards that. He's part of that, you know, political clubs around Eton and Oxbridge. And that's, that's where he was always going to go. So you can't really play this Trump sort of, I'm coming from outside the swamp to drain the swamp. He's been part of the swamp for, you know, over a decade. Uh, he's, he's always been a well-known idiot politician. He's the kind of person you used to get on TV to embarrass the conservative parties, to, to make them seem really out of touch because he's an extreme, even for the Conservative Party, so he's an extremely posh, clueless guy who really doesn't care how out of touch he is with the general public. I mean, he's quite happy to say, like, oh, most, most working-class people are pretty daft anyway. I don't need to explain myself to them. And these are kind of comments that he's on record saying, at least his family are, like, all the time. And it, has, it hasn't bothered him at all, whereas I think Trump, Trump's always cultivated an everyman thing. Yeah, like, yeah. Yes, I'm extremely rich, but you know, I, I like a good time. You know, he, he Trump basks basks in his fucking um in his in his vileness. You know, he 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 flaunts the fact that he's always going for like trophy wives and that he's trying to sleep with everyone that comes near him. Whereas like Boris Johnson's meant to be covering up. He's meant to be like a kind of relatively conservative guy, though he's just as he's just as lascivious, just as slippery as a, as a Trump is in practice. I do think they have different kind of things, you know. It's coming from the Tory party. They're the party of the establishment. The fact that anyone could see him as a rebel, it's just puzzling to me. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, and then we have, I mean, on the opposite end of the spectrum, Jeremy Corbyn, who has been the leader of the Labour Party for the past few years and has, I think, withstood probably the most abuse I've ever seen thrown at a political figure in, in my lifetime, at least. Uh, maybe outside of Barack Obama. I mean, short of facing a coup attempt, like a Latin American leader. I mean, actually, sorry, to be fair, there have been, <laughs> there have been several coup attempts within the Labour Party. <laughs> but um, I mean, short, short of being killed, which is what a lot of people suspect would happen as if he was actually elected. Yeah, he has, he has faced the most ridiculous and hostile media. And I, we have to touch on the anti-Semitism thing here because this is apparently going to be an issue yep. in, um, in the election. And I mean, this is something that I'm, helping, I'm hoping that you as a member of the tribe can help me with. <laughs> But so this is a concern, which is apparently about a form of racism leveled at a guy who is so anti-racist. When you Googled Jeremy Corbyn anti-Semitism up until he assumed leadership of the Labour Party and they started making this about, uh, you know, uh, the, the party he was, you know, that he was anti-Semitic. If you Googled it, the only story came up was that he had been uh, leading an anti-racist march to defend <laughs> a Jewish area against fascists back in the day, back in the 80s or something like that. That was the only story to do with him and anti-Semitism before he assumed leadership. Now, this is what this is the question. If people are concerned about a form of racism and he's a long-term anti-racist campaign, and everyone knows that Labour is the more anti-racist party of the two by far, and that the Tories are very, very racist, they're full of racists, and that Boris Johnson has been racist, why are they elevating this one form of racism, which is very, which is, there are no far, far fewer solid examples of it, um, in the Labour Party, then there are all kinds of races in the Tory Party. Why are they doing that? And the only suggestion that I come up with is that there must be some kind of latent support for for Israel kicking the shit out of Muslims in the eyes of the of the population, and that's kind of why they're like, yeah, yeah, let's get really angry about um, about anti-Semitism because what we're really thinking about is that you know Jeremy Corbyn's anti anti-Israel, and that's what we're angry about. But I just thought that you know, surely most people are relatively critical of Israel in the UK anyway. Yeah, I mean, so what what, what I don't understand is that, because I've been watching this whole, like, uh, anti-Semitism stuff, and it's the most cynical shit I've ever, I say this as a Jew, the most cynical shit I have ever seen in my fucking life. When you've got the main three newspapers in in the UK, at least one of which uh, was pro-Nazi, basically up until, like, the middle of World War II, um... You fucking, it's a combining an editorial to say that, oh, Jeremy Corbyn's going to bring this sort of second Holocaust in, where it's, it's, I mean, polls show that the Labour Party is less anti-Semitic than any other segment of the population. And it's, it's yeah. very clear to me that this, like, this cynically, like, and it's, I don't even know, it's, there's, it's on record, it's videotaped that the ambassador to Israel was meeting with the Blairite wing of the party and encouraging them to to basically perform a coup against Jeremy Corbyn. And, and exactly. what, what, what worries me is... If you talk is- about this incident, you get called a conspiracy theorist, you get called a crank, and you get called these things. And so much of the Labour Party has gone along with this to a point that I think a lot of good people were sort of trapped between a rock and a hard place Absolutely. and had to sort of keep going and go out the other side when it should have stopped a lot earlier on. I mean, it's it's if we look at, if we zoom out, Alleged, and this means alleged, anti-Semitism cases in the Labour Party represent 0.05% of the Labour Party. And yeah. it's, it's, it's obviously that, I mean, as a Jew, that stuff's a big deal to me. But that it is like a, it is a party you can just join, 
right? So it's not like it's to me. It doesn't seem like like of course there's gonna be those fucking cranks who think the Rothschilds or whatever run the world. Like that yeah, exists in yeah. any large group of people, unfortunately. But it's to yes. call someone like Jeremy Corbyn, who has been campaigning against racism basically his entire life, uh, to have the Tories call him an anti-Semite is is just mind-boggling to me, especially when two Tory candidates had to step down this election period because of blatant <laughs> anti-Semitism. And it's it's yeah. it's it's interesting to me that they elevate this and that this has become such a huge deal. The entirety of the liberal media is is against Corbyn on this, but when it comes to saying stuff about uh, you know our Muslim brothers and sisters, for example, that totally silent. And of course, Boris Johnson virulently anti-Muslim for I mean, I would, decades. I wouldn't I wouldn't say he was virulently anti anti-Muslim, but he's obviously he's actually said things which are insulting to Muslim people. He's conflated people who wear hijabs with the vast majority of Muslim people. He's been kind of he's like a troll. He's like a racist troll. He's nowhere yeah. near Trump. Now Trump Trump's actually saying that he's gonna put in, you know, put in place racist policies. The Muslim ban was one of the most openly fucking bigoted, like scarily fascistic figure yeah. I think anyone's seen in, in mainstream Western politics in a very long time. It was a vicious, vicious bigoted thing to do to a particular group of people that, you know, is definitely clearly scapegoated. We, we don't really have anything like that in British politics. I'll be honest with you. I believe in a violent fucking revolution, Brace. I believe in killing a lot, a lot of people who people today would be seen as relatively moderate don't get me wrong, yeah. but I'm, we haven't got anything like fucking Trump's Muslim ban or anything like this fucking Build-A-Wall rhetoric where he's going, they're rapers, they're, they're drug dealers, like referring to the entire Mexican people. We don't have shit like that. We have some serious Islamophobia, of course, where people conflate not only uh, all Muslims with, with terrorists or jihadis, as I think me and you prefer to call them, or jihadi Salafis, as I prefer to call them, or and then conflate, you know, all Muslims with very extreme interpretationism and then conflate all Asians or yeah. particular uh, co communities with, with, with Muslims as well, which is unfair because, you know, Muslims are a religion and not anyway, all of those things we have, we have that problem. We don't have this kind of, we haven't got given rise to any of these sort of Trump, Trump like policies. And I think there's been a big problem as well with the liberal media feeling, especially considering that this didn't work to stop Trump, you know, this didn't work for the uh, hashtag resistance in America. But if you point out these rude, nasty, bigoted mean things that um fucking boris johnson has said that this will um this will fucking nobble him but it didn't nobble him when he said them at the time you know yeah. <laughs> when he says he could oh five years ago you said this and it's like yeah he said it five years ago and he kept his job so what difference is going to fucking make now i mean muslims aren't voting for boris johnson and people who care about islamophobia aren't voting for him either so the people you're trying to convince are people that don't care about those things so bringing them up as if they were a trump card certainly bring them up as something that paints a broader picture of a guy who's a scumbag, but they, they can't be seen as this, uh, as this motivating thing. People really need to nail the fact, it doesn't matter if he said Muslim women, or it does matter, but it's not the primary thing said Muslim women uh, who wear the niqab look like letterboxes. It matters that millions of people have died, have been uh, lost their jobs, have lived in poverty for the last 10 years because of his government. Not only that, but all the wars that were in, endorsed by the conservatives yep. in Iraq, Afghanistan, you know, all of these things, these are, these are things that Jeremy Corbyn stands against unequivocally. Whereas I think looking for like bigotry or prejudice in his language, it's a bit fucking ephemeral. It's a bit in the sky. Whereas you're talking about, you know, you can point out the number of people who are, who are homeless, who are relying on food banks because the, 
conservative government over the last 10 years just fucking cut the welfare state for no reason. You know, it hasn't, hasn't, it hasn't seen any savings anywhere else. It's just like a vicious, vicious attack because they thought they could do it because of the financial crash. They just took advantage of the financial crash and decided to fuck up society in their favour a little bit more. And the Tories are running scared on this. They are running scared. They've changed their manifesto. They've acted like austerity is over. And you've got Boris Johnson going out there being like, I will end austerity. It's yes. like, motherfucker, you started austerity. <laughs> what are you saying? You know, and that's what to pick him up on, not fucking some bullshit trolling fucking bigoted articles he wrote. Well, so, so what, why, so if, if, if he's such a son, a son of a bitch and if his, if his government has been so awful, well, then how come labor can't take a higher, like, can't take a lead? Because I, I think, unfortunately, it is the Brexit election. And I think the, the big problem with labor is any other election, I think they would sweep it. But, but the problem is, is they're almost unable to take a position on Brexit. Now, this is the thing, because you've had this Corbyn surge, you've had this uh, incredible moment, and it will still be, it will be an incredible moment, no matter what happens, it's always going to be, and this is, again, coming from someone who you know fought in a a revolution, and I would say I've just been just as moved by being just in, in England, in Britain, at the time of the Corbyn surge, and seeing that there was indeed mass support for yeah. socialistic policies, for proper redistributional kind of thinking. And and that's been an amazing, amazing time. And yeah, it's just that surge meant that everything got bigger on the left. The far left and the hard left, which are different things, by the way. I'm not going to go into that. It's really fucking boring. And all <laughs> these other things, they all, we all increased in size and power within the Labour Party. Not outside, but within the Labour Party. And it also meant that liberalism increased. So, I don't know, by a factor of, of, of whatever, whatever, like 10, 20, 100% things increased. And so everything got bigger. And so you then had these huge, huge voices who had these liberal impulses who would panic again about anti-Semitism, just a massive panic, just, just, um, just apologise and agree to do whatever again and again and again, which is a very liberal impulse to any particular interest group asking you to do something, which I'm sure people in the Democrat Party in America will be familiar with. And the other liberal thing, was to absolutely freak out over Brexit, to assume that working class people voting for Brexit were uh, a, either not working class, but actually you know, somehow above the working class because blah, 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 blah. And then, or that they were just super, super bigoted, uh, regardless of their class backgrounds, and that this entire, this Brexit vote had just been a, I mean, people treat it like it was a vote to deport uh, migrants, to deport all migrants. It's nothing of the sort. I mean, you could take Brexit, you could take a UK outside of the EU in any direction. You could take it to deport all migrants. You could take it to, to abolish the fucking borders. That's not what, it, it's not what yeah. Brexit alone does. It's an assumption put onto it that the people voting for Brexit, because it was endorsed most vocally by the right wing, but also with a massive amount of left wing support, such as Jeremy Corbyn in the past, such as Bob Crow, rest in peace, uh, you know, such as Arthur Scargill, may he live forever, these are left-wing people endorsing Brexit, but this liberal tendency in the Labour Party has managed to get big within the Corbyn surge and it, it increased the hysteria. It's got a lot of funding, of course. There's a lot of funding for this kind of liberal politics, unfortunately, and they've campaigned and campaigned and campaigned. I mean, just looking at some of their marches, their marches were just disgusting, <laughs> liberal, petty boards. I mean, they're vile, stomach-turning affairs. I mean, some of those people definitely need their hard drives checked, but they were fucking huge. <laughs> and 
you then have this kind of bizarre thing where, you know, these, these radicals start to flip out as well. You've got these crazy guys like Paul Mason, who used to be yeah. a, 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 hard, a hardline Trotskyite. And then he was a bit of a kind of, he was a bit of an interesting guy. He was over in, in Greece saying the revolution was going to happen in, that was about around 2000 and, and you know, 12 and on, onwards and all of this shit. And, and now he's like, he's like a raving imperialist. He's recently talking about how, how the UK could play, um, could play a role in, in NATO imperialism if it specialised, you know, the armed forces. And this is what a left-wing journalist is writing about. How did he get there? How did he get there? We say, we have this word Romania. Romania is this manic, manic condition that people who've taken being pro-EU on the left to the extremes that they do, where they become so detached from everything that they end up being the opposite of left-wing. And it's unfortunately, this, this is, you know, Paul Mason is a name that you may have heard of. And these are quite big names on the left that have managed to create this sort of idea that yeah. the left, at least, in the, at least in the big cities like London, the left is associated with Remain. And this is not only a problem in the Labour Party where it's true, and these things are starting to get to Corbyn and people saying, look, you need to at least be ambivalent and say you have a second referendum, which basically means you're taking leave off the manifesto which is reversing agreements that we made earlier. But it's also the perception in the eyes of the general public. You know, they see these big marches in London. They see people who are going to be left-wing journalists. They're going to go, oh, right, so that's, that's what, that's what left-wing is it. Yeah. Left-wing, means, uh, left-wing means staying with the EU. Right, then I guess I'm not left-wing. And so to be thanks a fucking lot. To be clear, uh, <laughs> a lot of Corbyn's project here, a lot of the nationalization that he wants to do, especially with the railways, that's actually almost impossible if they were to st- if the if UK was to stay in the EU, I think. Full on. Well, yeah. absolutely. Like <laughs> yes, they will stop that. Completely correct. Yeah. You know, um whatever way you want to look at it as well, if you're doing damage to the EU, if you're playing any sort of blow against the EU, you might as well look at it as, you know, fucking with the IMF. Exactly. It doesn't matter which which angle you're taking it from. It doesn't matter which perspective the people voting for went from. You know what they were thinking when they did it. You are you are doing damage to a neoliberal fucking entity, a neoliberal entity which is fast becoming a military imperialist entity because they want a European army. I hope you get fucking drafted into the EU army when the UK doesn't leave. <laughs> They're gonna Thanks, make you man. a fucking lieutenant. I mean, it's crazy too. And now we're seeing, of course, that like. You know, the, the Corbyn had those papers talking about the NHS being for sale, at least the, the some parts of the drug buying for it. And and I think yeah. that's sort of a foregone conclusion if the Tories stay in power is that the NHS will be chipped away and that like yes. other social services will be. I mean, austerity, they literally can't not do austerity. Like that's what they're, they no, wouldn't have, no, they wouldn't be Tories if they no, didn't. It's, um, it's his backtracking in practice. If he wins, Boris Johnson's backtracking in the Tory Party's kind of more social one nation Toryism, which is what they've promised in different ways at all sorts of elections. It's complete bullshit. They can't do it. It's not what their financial backers want, and it's obviously not what they want deep down at all. What will happen is there'll be a style change. They'll stop saying things like, you know, we're going to crack down on this and we're going to end benefits loopholes, and they'll start calling it different things. But, you know, they don't need to do anything more devious, but just continue the policies that you have now. And the ensuing social chaos will lead to such a changed country if we have even more five years of the way things are. Though, I mean, if they will go further, and one of the things they're going to do is they're going to make it much harder for trade unions to go on strike. You yep. already have this situation where you have to have a certain percentage um, of people participating in an election before you go on strike. But they're going to make it even harder. They, they've already <laughs> they've been talking about making it so that the trains will run 
during a railway strike. And it's like, so you're making it so the strike essentially doesn't happen. You're making yeah, the strike, that's strike breaking illegal. Right? Yeah. So of course, this is a show about what, what you over there called noncery, right? Noncery, absolute noncery. And to me, it seems like a vote for the Tories. I mean, especially after all this Prince Andrew stuff comes out, it is a vote for noncery. I mean, it is absolutely a vote for noncery. And I think that's something that people need to take to the doorstep. Um, Boris Johnson came out and defended Prince Andrew. I mean, I'm not talking years ago at the start of this scandal, at the start yep. of the Epstein scandal, which is what it's, um, it's less than a year old, this thing. And he defended him and he said that I've seen the good that Prince Andrew does for this country. And on the leaders debate, when they got to the end and they said, um, the royal family, what are your opinions? And they could have like one last word. And uh, Jeremy Corbyn said something like a, r- a room for improvement, like in a kind of subtly things like, cause everyone yeah. knows that he wants to chop their heads off. And Boris Johnson goes, they're brilliant. They're beyond reproach. Yeah. And he chose to do this. He chose to do this. Not even a week after Prince Andrew had been on that car crash interview where he basically admitted to being a nonce and refused to apologize for it or to say that he'd give up names or anything like that. And Boris Johnson said the royal family, which means Prince fucking Andrew, are beyond reproach, which means that you cannot criticize them at all. That means they've done nothing wrong. He basically slipped out of his mouth that he couldn't give a shit that Prince Andrew had been noncing around. That's just part of it to him. That's part of the, the world of the upper class that he's part of. I mean, and that's absolutely, absolutely something that should be hammered home. I'm not joking. Like, I know there's there's a lot lot of joking in this show and a lot of joking, the kind of work that I do as well. But I'm not joking at all because this is a class issue because it's not upper class women who are nonced when they're younger, not in this predatory. I mean, everyone gets nonced by their family mostly, but in this predatory way with these gangs, they're looking for the most vulnerable in society so they can either first shower them with affection and money that they might not be getting otherwise, and then shower them with threats. And it's the most vulnerable working class uh, women who are going to be the victims here. Absolutely. It's, it's the upper class who are going to say that those people's lives don't matter. Yeah, and who in many cases are just going to victimize them more. I mean, it's it's absolutely wild that that, that, that Boris Johnson said that. And, and it's very telling that the media didn't focus on that at all. I heard not a peep out of that about that from The Guardian, etc., but Jeremy Corbyn saying that he would leave a Christmas carol underneath Boris Johnson Christmas tree suddenly oh, that becomes was it, that was it. a Nuremberg rally. It's insane to me. It's like, <laughs> t- to me, if like from over here, I mean, American politics are absolutely, totally psychotic. But from watching yeah. just the concerted assault against Jeremy Corbyn and the absolute coddling of, of Boris Johnson by the British media, it's, it's almost like... I, I, it's, it's, I, I don't, I can't, I can barely believe it. It's like, I, I keep thinking I'm missing something. Well, I think, I think what, perhaps what you're missing, um, might be the, the seriousness of the threat. I think at a certain point, probably after the second time that, um, Jeremy Corbyn was returned to the leadership after yet another attempt to depose him by the Labour Party. And it showed how insanely popular he was. Jeremy Corbyn is more popular than the Labour Party because Jeremy Corbyn represents change, represents socialism, represents that people, something that people remember being good in the past. Like people are brought up 
really with the kind of 1945 um, collective myth. And I mean, it's not a myth. I refer to it as a myth because it's part of our mythology. It's something that happened. You know, my family talk about 1945. My family talk about the change that it brought about. You know, my my granny, who rest in peace, was it was a domestic servant in the countryside. <laughs> That's what she was. And she came out of that because of 1945, because it allowed people to make a start to get council homes and she was able to marry and you know, do these things independently and not, not continue to be a, literally a domestic servant. That's where we were before 1945. And so that's why Jeremy Corbyn is so popular. He represents this idea, not of an imagined socialism, but an, an improved version of the, of the socialist settlement we got in 1945. And when the establishment realised, and I mean all flavours of the establishment, I mean your guardian liberals as well, who are now crawling out to try and sort of say at least they agree that the Labour Party manifesto is good this time and that, yeah, they can't really argue against this. They fucking went mental at the idea that there would be popular socialism for whatever reason. Obviously, the main reason is class, but they interpret it in different ways. And they went fucking mental about it. And that is why you have this broad assault where he can say nothing, do nothing, because the whole of the establishment is united in that. And when they unite, as I say, they interpret it in different ways. So it's not like someone who's a famous conservative commentator picks up the phone to you know, Owen Jones and says, look, mate, you know, we're both famous commentators. Let's take a pop at Corbyn. It's all the people in between who both work for newspapers. But you can imagine there's what, you know, five degrees of separation and those ripples go. So the right wing person speaks to a slightly less right wing person. And that guy speaks to a more centre person. That person speaks to a centre left person. And what unites them is the places they go, the people they know, the yep. places they stay and their activities. And that ripple of there's something wrong with this Corbyn thing. There's something wrong with this socialism. It's, it's, it's too populist. It's, it's mob rule. It's, it's bigoted. It's, it's rich phobic. And that, that ripple goes across rich those phobic. classes. And it goes through the establishment. As I say, it doesn't, doesn't go directly from someone on, on the supposed kind of hard, le- hard left of the, of the commentators spectrum to the hard right. But it does go through their circles and their class. And you find this, especially, for instance, we talk about the word nonce, calling people nonces saying nonsery should be cracked down on, you know. Again, this is, this is, there's this fear around that. There's a fear that this is, this is mob rule and that um, the wrong people get in. All this kind of shit. Again, this, it's this fear of the masses, the fear of popular politics, and that unites um, people as a class at the higher end of the spectrum. Oh, absolutely. full spectrum attack. No, absolutely. Well, we got, we got to go in a second, but I just, I want to... I, I'm not even sure if you can because of UK libel laws, but I want to get your opinion on something. So in the Epstein papers that are going to come out and the court documents that, that they say the new documents that they might release, there are the, is the name of uh, heads of state and prime ministers. And a lot of people think that the prime minister is going to be Ehud Barak, which we know he was connected with the Israeli prime minister, former Israeli prime minister connected to Epstein. But there's also a lot of talk about a certain... Uh, let's say new labor leader who might have ran a country called Britain, uh, I guess called the UK. Uh, he is also apparently connected to uh, to old Jeff. So it could be that we do have a secret weapon up our sleeves, and that is, of course, uh, Jeffrey Epstein. Because if if you look, remember that that Andrew Neil uh, interviewed at this very combative interview against Jeremy Corbyn the other night on BBC. 
And Andrew Neal really hammered him and tried to make him apologize for anti-Semitism, which is, he did it in a sort of way that's like, it's like asking, did you quit beating your wife? Like, will yes, you apologize yes, for anti-Semitism? Because, of course, if he says, yes, I'm sorry for anti-Semitism, that implies that Jeremy yeah. Corbyn is is some sort of anti-Semite, which no one's actually even had. I mean, people accuse him of that. They can't point to anything, but they still accuse him of that. Um, but Andrew Neal, of course, is in Epstein's black book. No. Yes. I didn't even know this. He's in the fucking address book. <laughs> oh, my God. So, I mean, these That's- people, there are a lot of snakes in the grass, my friend. A lot of snakes in the grass. Um, anyways, Alex, it was so wonderful to have you on the show. I'll say say this. Obviously I can't comment on the obvious nonce that you just mentioned. He's he's up to his neck in, in Arab blood. Um, but you know what, whether this election or whether in, you know, a violent insurrection, we will get all these nonces. I promise you that my brother. Yeah. Oh no. I say from, from here to, we will do our part. All right, Alex, thank you so much for joining our UK correspondents, Alexander Norton, an editor at the Morning Star paper. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks a lot. Take care. Take care. Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein.